This is a recording of Bill Dodson, alcoholic number three, commonly referred to as the man on the bed. Please remember that this recording originally was done in 1951, and the recording equipment back then was not as what we have it today. Enjoy your talk. To learn more about a better way of life, yes, God being our mute, God direct our thoughts, God direct our mistakes. Whatever said and whatever done, may be done towards our own and glory. In Jesus' name, we ask you. Amen. First thing, I want to invite you folks for, I want to thank you folks for inviting me down here. Next one, I want to congratulate you on having as many viewers you have on your first anniversary. I think it was on our ninth anniversary that we had over in Akron High <clears throat> that I heard God get up and make this statement. I never paid much attention to statistics about any kind of statistics about AA, it never made any particular difference to me who was first, second, third, or fourth. I mean, but I would get up and make this statement. He said that our, our first anniversary, uh, we had six at the end of the year. Well, I didn't remember that. And he said that four of them are here tonight. Uh, that was on our ninth anniversary. He said that four of them are here tonight, one of them dead and one of them out of town and couldn't be here. Well, I happen to know that a couple of them that were there had had a little trouble uh, during those uh, nine years, but uh, they had were there that night and uh, were sober. And uh, so that's all we had on our, our first anniversary with six, and of course there's several times six here. And of course, uh, when we had that anniversary, I certainly never expected to be down in North Canton talking to folks. And there were a lot of the other places where I've been and talking. I, we just had in mind that we'd get sober and stay sober. And uh, to do that, uh, we had to go out and take this program to a few people and uh, not to get sober and stay sober ourselves. And then that would be the end to it. Now that's all I had in mind, I know, and I'm 45, see that and there wasn't anything much else in the mind of the others except to stay sober ourselves. Uh, that early thought has been worth quite a little bit to me. Uh, in uh, two or three ways. I haven't felt any great responsibility about uh, the movement being such a wonderful movement and all those great things that are going to be done. I even had a woman after one of the meetings I recruited to come around. Oh, she's been a missionary in China for a long time. A very wonderful woman, or she said, this is one thing. She said, maybe this is the answer, this is the answer to world peace. And I said, well, I don't know. Uh, anyhow, I hope that uh, the answer to uh, peace in a lot of homes around the north and where you used to get drunk and fight with each other. And now if you can carry it on over uh, and make the world peace out of it, that's fine. But uh, I have always had in mind that the main purpose of AA was to stay sober. And now there's a lot to AA, uh, uh, in my opinion, uh, that's uh, worth a lot more. And a lot in there 
outside of staying sober, but actually and honestly, I hope now that we always keep sobriety as the main purpose of our way. Now, I know policy really that's the thing that we started out with, stay sober. Uh, certainly, I've got a lot of things out of it, causes it. One fellow even argued with me about uh, not so long ago and said a sobriety had been the only thing he got. Uh, it just wouldn't have been worthwhile. And I said, well, I don't know about you, but I know about me. I said, the first last six months I drank, I was dragged into the hospital eight times. Six months. And four or five times, the those times I've been tied down there to bed there too before ever I knew I was there. And I said, my doctor told me I didn't have it two or three more. I don't know I knew as well as he knew uh, that I didn't have. He said, you get in such terrible shape that you're not going to make many more of them. And uh, I knew it, and uh, that was 16 years ago, and I'm still living and uh, still feeling pretty good. In fact, just about a year ago, I uh, had some sort of virus, and I stayed in bed two days. My wife kept telling me to go to the doctor, but I think it's just a sort of a cold, and I don't want to be bothered with doctors. And, uh, but I did finally go, and he told me, he said, you, you sick? And I said, yeah, I know. But I came back and told my wife, she said, well, I kept wanting you to go to the doctor. She said, I knew you were sick. She said, that's the first time I've seen you stay in bed all day since you used to tie you in bed 15 years ago. But you see, I wish was the truth. I hadn't thought about it. But I said that that happened to me the last six months I drank. And I've had, uh, since that time, uh, uh, day before yesterday, fourth day of July was when I came out of the hospital. Of course, I've been sober some three or four days then, and that was 16 years ago that I came out of the hospital, and I said I've had eight or ten years extra of life, I know, that have been good with good health, and then you tell me, uh, I said that certainly was worthwhile. If I had never gotten anything more out of AA than that, that fact that I don't go to the hospital anymore, and I don't go through all that hell and stuff that I went through with, and the fact that I've had... That uh, number of years uh, of good life is certainly worthwhile if I have never gotten anything out of it. I did get a lot more out of it. There's a lot more in it. And I hope that uh, folks will get it. And But I still hope that we keep that sobriety the main purpose of AA. And, uh, you know, I, it's getting a little bit harder for me to leave a meeting right alone. Uh, I think the re- reason for that is that I've been doing it for so long and the most of you fellows know that I've been doing it for so long. And uh, so you begin to wonder why in the devil I don't get any better than what I am. <laughs> and that makes it, makes it a little bit tough on me. Uh, well, that might be good too. Maybe then they don't thought you should stop asking me. You know, I was just talking. I, I think the first meeting that I went out of town to leave was over in Toledo. And I expect that was better than 10 years ago. Because I think it was about... Two years ago, I was over in Adrian, Michigan, and I was talking to big fellows there, and I said the first time I was ever over here in, in Toledo, he was up there from Toledo, and I said that was about uh, seven or eight years, something like that ago. He said, well, I know exactly how long. And he said, I haven't been sober, but about three weeks, uh, and I was at that meeting, and I've been sober eight years, so it's been better than ten years, the first time, as far as I know, that I went out of town. And... Uh, I've been doing it, and there's a lot of you fellows up back there that can do this as good a job as I can, and uh, you ought to be up here leading this meeting instead of me, 
because you can do it just as well and it will help you. Uh, because in my opinion, there isn't anything much that uh, helps the person uh, more than leaving meetings. In fact, yes, that was one of the main things that they had in mind when we started out. And when we went to a meeting in the early days, we didn't know when we went who was going to lead the meeting. We went and we had what we called quiet time. And uh, during that quiet time, we used to open our minds uh, with far instruction as to who we thought ought to lead the meeting that night. And then after we uh, did that, uh, sat there in silence uh, for five minutes while they started around, and you think, and this fellow say this and this and happen, and whoever happened to have the most, we finally joined him and said, well, it's you. So he got up there and uh, and took charge of the meeting and uh, went ahead. And we didn't know until uh, we got there who was going to do it. And that wouldn't be a bad idea to try out, in my opinion, every once in a while here. It helps, fella. It might uh, mess him up a little bit for a minute or two and get us, but we'll get over it. And uh, I used to say when I started out that if no one was helped in the meeting except me, uh, well, I certainly know I knew I would be by by leading the meeting that would help us. And uh, this idea of uh, these fine speakers and good speakers and so forth being called in, I, I, I never have been. I'm too much in favor of that, uh, because I've seen some mighty good fellas uh, take a licking on account of the fact that I'm very positive that uh, that idea that they were in demand quite a bit as speakers uh, sort of began to go through <coughs> up here to the top of their head a little bit, and they got a little proud of it. And uh, in fact, as I watched two or three of them, and I was 41, and it's that Martin Hartman, and uh, one or two of them is certainly happened terribly bad to them. Uh, now that might not have had anything to do with it, but they did fall off and did it, and I thought he wanted it. Uh, it's a little, now I'm not saying what I got up here to say. Uh, <laughs> but it feels a little hard, you know. Uh, I, I, I was lucky. I've been lucky all the way through AA. That's, that's helped me out an awful lot. Uh, I never could uh, feel uh, particularly uh, complimented by the reason the fact that they asked me because they happened to ask me just because I happened to be uh, the first man person that Doc and Bill worked on and were successful with. I'm very positive that's the reason they asked me rather than uh, what I happened to say. Well, uh, I had no control over the fact that they happened to be the ones that, uh, that I happened to be the ones that they picked up first, so I never could uh, feel that way about it. And uh, that's been then it helped on me. Um, but I remember one time I came in there and at home and I'd been to a meeting and, you know, I think for the meeting, you know, something didn't show you wrong with these meetings. And then I hardly up to And, uh, I mean, I just watched the matter. What's, what's wrong? Eh? Things happen there or something. I, I just wasn't, I was rather low. About how he was going. And, uh, so, uh, I picked up a little book there and opened it like this. And I just saw it laying there. It was my wife's magazine. She, I know how to look at it. But I picked it up that night and pulled it open. Just a matter of luck. I never looked. Pulled it open there and I started to read. And, uh, why? Well, I never even looked at the heading. I don't know yet what the heading of the article was, but the part I read was, uh, I don't know if she didn't tell you this, but it actually happened. 
fellow said he went over to his neighbors and the uh, fellow insisted on showing him about an uh, hour or better of uh, pictures, moving pictures that he'd taken of he and his family around the house. Uh, well, the man said, I had seen him day after day around there doing those same things and I'd seen those old pictures. And things on it really wasn't very interesting. It was rather boring to me to sit down and look at those pictures. And as it was over, he said, of course, naturally, to be polite, I had to say something. Said to that little eight-year-old girl, said, I looked over at her, and I said, well, what part of the picture did you like the best? Well, she said, the part I was, the part I was in, of course, she said. <laughs> well, I do. And I came in my mind, now, do you reckon that's what it started to matter? Maybe they sort of uh, slipped up here, and maybe they hadn't been paying you hardly as much attention. Maybe you hadn't read as many meetings. In the last, uh, I wouldn't tell you this, I'm sort of ashamed of it. Uh, but it might help you. And I said to him, they've been paying as much attention to you as they should, or something like that. That's the reason you finally hurt. And uh, when I analyzed it down, right down to fact, I had to come to conclusion that probably that might have had something to do with the fact that I thought those meetings weren't hardly entertaining. As they had been because I hadn't had the uh, spatial attention uh, that I maybe thought that I ought to have. Uh, although I really never particularly wanted any special attention because, and I've told them over and over again, I don't, because I'm very positive, and that if anybody else uh, begins to set me up there as uh, somebody to go by and lean on and give me special attention, while the old devil, he'll start giving me special attention too. And I've had about all the attention from that boy for the last 15 years and all my life, and I really want. Now, I don't say that in any sacrilegious way, I mean it. Well, he's always right after a fellow. And if he says, oh, well, if I kick Bill out, I can knock a half a dozen. Well, he'll concentrate on me, and I don't even know concentrate. <laughs> and uh, that's neither here nor there. But I, I thought about that, that that might happen. And, uh, but the fact, as I mentioned a while ago, that if the idea of sobriety is the reason that we are primary in AA, and the fact that I never expected any great world movements or anything like that to go out of it has helped me because in that way I can go ahead and do AA and practice AA the same way it was taught to me, which I'm going to give it to you directly in about, you know, it takes me about 10 minutes to do that. That's what I ought to do, of course, and quit, but I keep on talking a long time to get up to it. And uh, it helped me to go ahead and practice and talk AA just the way I learned it without feeling too much responsibility of what's going to happen to the movement and uh, arguing with uh, this bunch that wants to do it this way and arguing with this bunch that wants to do it that way. And now uh, there's a little bit of that, you know, that's going on around now. Some of them want it this way and some of them want it the other way. And I told the fellow today, he came all the way down to Cleveland and bought my dinner to give me help or some things that he thought was so and so. And I just told him, I said, now wait, I learned this AA one way. And I learned AA that the main purpose that I was in AA was not to save the world and not to save a lot of people, but to keep them out and sober. That's the main reason I'm in. To do that, I have to take this message uh, to people. Uh, now, from now on, they have to take over. I can't keep them sober. I couldn't keep them sober. I couldn't save the world. I don't think I was expected to save the world. And the fact is, I can't think that you can find any place in the Bible, any place, where anybody was supposed to save anybody. 
If you go back and read the four synoptic uh, gospels, uh, you'll find just before Jesus uh, ascended, he said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. He never told you to save anybody. I even read in the paper today where that fellow ministered up there was wanting so and so so he could save a lot of people. See? Uh, I don't think we do that, and I don't think we keep them sober. We can take them a message, uh, but from uh, there on, uh, it's between them and, and this higher power as to what happened. And uh, that's what I've been doing is when they ask me to go around and tell folks uh, they a program as they gave it to me and sometimes a few other little things, I've noticed that uh, uh, I heard a fellow get up and say, we came school on Wednesday night. And it's the first time I heard him admit it that way. Uh, he said he stayed sober seven and a half years, and then he got drunk and took him about 15 months to get sober back. Well, that was true. And I knew it, and he's been sober since. Uh, uh, and he admitted that he said I was a terribly intolerant son of a gun. He said I just didn't have no damn use for these fellows that came in through AA and then slipped. He said I just couldn't see his power. Well, I thank goodness I never had that kind of a spirit. When he comes around and tells me, he said, oh, said I had a slip. I said to that, you had a slip. You just went out and got drunk. Just exactly the same way I did a hundred times. That's right. I knew I shouldn't. I went out and did it. You know, that's just what you did. No sweat or anything else. Just start right over again. Uh, of course, uh, maybe AA would look better to the outside world if we uh, save every fellow that came around and and uh, said he belongs to A. I don't know, I don't know where he belongs to A. Uh, there wasn't any joining or anything like that when uh, when I came in. And uh, now I ramble around there and talk to you. It was, as I mentioned a while ago, it was 16 years ago, about the 26th of June, that I came to over on the city hospital in Akron, Ohio. One Thursday morning, that's the only way in the world that I uh, knew what particular day it was. Uh, I knew it was Wednesday and I went in there, and the only way in the world that I remember the year or two later, uh, that it was Wednesday was that uh, I knew I started on Saturday. And uh, the last time before that, uh, that I had come out of the hospital, I told my wife, I said, for goodness sake, don't let me get this terrible shape anymore before I get into the hospital. I said, that's been hell the last few times, so I'll tell you. Uh, see if you can't get me to go in the hospital. It usually took me about 10, 12 days from the time I took that first drink until I ended up over there in the hospital tied down. It took 10, 12 days. Uh, we covered out round, round like that, me and out. And then the last week I was up there on the church floor in my home, so I was supposed to be out of town, and if anybody come in, they wouldn't hear me up there. And uh, I just laid up there in that bed on the third floor by myself, which wasn't my bedroom, it was on the second. But I'd go up there and hide, and every time I'd wake up, I'd just reach over and get the bottle, take another drink, and go back to sleep. And keep that up for about four or five days or a week. Finally, it comes a day, you know, you've heard folks talk about uh, blowing them up, you know, couldn't get them down in the morning, well, I'll throw them up, 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 up like that, but that never made any particular difference to me, because I knew that if I kept on swallowing them, I'd finally get one that would stay down exactly. And, uh, but, if you do that, what I talked to you just about doing, you spend about a week, drink, drink, drinking them, and last week up there on the floor, just not knowing, just reach over and take the bottom and go back to sleep. Finally, you wake up someday and look at you and you sit down. 
just wasn't doing it anyway. I just wouldn't do any good. You fool, that's not wrong. It's going to do any good. Another there saw this and he was bad. So I thought I was my wife to the whole doctor. I didn't go to the hospital only for the six weeks, but the last three years I drank, I never got over one without having to call a doctor. Fine time finally comes when you look at it and you know it isn't going to do any good. Say another drink isn't going to do any good. You're just so full and sick out of it. You wouldn't say anything about going it out that you didn't know it isn't going to do any good. One of them is concerned to take it. Then you have to do something about it. And uh, so I told her not to let me get so bad the next time. So I started on Saturday. And isn't that odd? I remember just how I took that first drink on Saturday. I went home early from the office. They really had to, uh, to stay sober. And then I got home and got up there to the house. And, and it was uh, June, it was hot, and I got dry and dry. And I wanted to wait for and worse. And there was a place over there where they sold only liquor and uh, wine and uh, no whiskey. And uh, so I fooled, shook, and bothered, and fooled around there. I, I hadn't had a drink probably for a couple of weeks then, maybe. At least that long, and but I was kind of nervous, and I wanted to drink. And I finally sold myself, and I guess I mean I, I sold my wife. Well, I don't guess I sold either one of us. I don't know, but I I tried to tell her all the idea that I just went over there and have a cold cup, a cold glass of beer, and come back. It was time for dinner, supper, whatever you call it, about five o'clock in the afternoon. And it was about time to eat, and she had to buy bread, and I just went over there. And I'll have a couple of cold bottles of beer and I'll run right back and eat myself and I won't get drunk. Now I know if I'm going to drink a couple of cold bottles of beer, damn if I'm going to eat right after it because I've just wasted it. I'm going to hold a hell of a trouble. I ain't going to waste it to eat right after But I really thought that that could be done, see? And I guess I, I even told her I'll take the boy. He's about eight or nine years. I'll take the boy along and to ensure the fact that I'm going to come back. And, um, well, I don't guess I made her believe it, but she didn't. Anyhow, it went. And of course, about 11 o'clock, she came over and got the boy. And took him home, and she didn't bother me. Of course, I stayed all night. As soon as it blows that up, I went looking for a bootleg job. For the soul of after hours. And found it. And stayed there and went home sometime the next day. And I told her, for goodness sakes, don't let me get that bad anymore. So somewhere or other, on Wednesday, she coached me into the hospital, and I went into the hospital last week, and I noticed Wednesday. I hadn't been drinking so long. And I wasn't so bad that morning. And so I came through there on Thursday morning, and uh, my mind was fairly terrible because I'd only been drinking since Saturday. And, uh, so I looked around, and I realized where I am again. And I said, well, here you are again. And you've been here, either here or over in the peoples. This makes eight times now in six months. And every time you woke up, because you went out of this hospital in this last six months, you went out of here fully determined in your own mind that you wasn't going to get drunk for something like six or eight months. I don't think I said I was going to quit. But I went out there fully determined that I wasn't going to be drunk for six or eight months because I couldn't afford it. I was broke. And it wasn't going to be long for my wife and boy. It was going to be on charity, which would be terribly humiliating. 
And not only that, if we're going to be, uh, I'm going to have to start to, to uh, panhandling the drink, and boy, that would be hell. I always felt for a panhandler. Because when I wanted to drink, I wanted it. I didn't want to have to go out and try to save somebody and spend a half an hour trying to get a hold of a drink. I wanted it right then. And I didn't want to have to, you know, I could picture myself out down on the street trying to get a hold of enough money to go and buy me a drink. And have to make maybe an hour or two when I'd be a moment like I would like that. And I, I just knew it would just be terrible. But anyhow, I come to you there and I said, here you are. And you didn't intend to be here. Time after time, you've been doing this now here. And you're going out of here full of determined. You weren't going to get drunk anymore for six months. At least for three months. Until you got a little money. And got back a little self-respect. Uh, of your own and little towards people to show that you can do something about it. What are you going to do about it? And I didn't know. No, I didn't know. And that was all. Right then, boy, some belongs to get on this old cop going upstairs. Well, I didn't want to argue with him. I never did that. But he said, get on. I don't want to argue. And I ain't argued. I've never seen him before. But he told me after his eye. And finally, I said, how do you know me? He called me old cop. I never saw you before in my life. He said, well, you haven't. I have read with you over there in that emergency morning, night after night. When they left you over there, they wouldn't take you up to the hospital. They left you over there to meet her after you. And then, think I don't know you. I've never seen him before. I don't know him. But I've been over there, but I haven't seen him. And uh, so up I went, and I got up there, and my wife was sitting there, and she was to Well, I really didn't know what was happening. My wife would always come to the hospital and speak to me. She did with me. I don't know why she would, but she did. I remember she walked in uh, one morning uh, with the doctor. I said, good morning, Doc. Good morning, honey. I've been awake just a few little while in the morning. I've been out at 11 o'clock in the daylight. I knew it was 11 o'clock in the day. I kept looking around my wife, and I said, I must go to Sunday school, man. She said, Sunday school. Yeah, I said, Sunday school church. Well, Sunday school church. I was excited about noon when I went in, you know. And uh, she said, what time do you think it is? 11 o'clock. I knew that off because I just found out. <laughs> well, I know, but she said, what day? Oh, I see. She said, this is Monday. You think Sunday. Well, <laughs> I didn't know. Now, where I'd been all day from Saturday, from Saturday noon, from Monday morning, 11 o'clock. Well, I'd been there. I'll still die down, but I had no remembrance of it. Nothing that I remember. I thought it was still something. She ought to be in church. So she was sitting there, and I said, hello, and she said, hello. And I let her do the talking. I didn't have anything to say. I was late, see? I, I, I just didn't have any answers. And, and uh, I didn't have any answers that morning. Said, I've been talking to a couple fellas about your drink. Well, I thought that is odd. There's been a lot of talk around in our house about drinking. I knew some church members been down there, and I knew two or three preachers been down there praying with my wife about me. I wasn't one I was there because I wouldn't listen to them. I didn't want to listen to them. I went to church and listened to what they had there, but what in the hell they wanted to listen to me about the drinking. They never got drunk, and what, what would I listen to them? They tell me all the it? Oh, I knew so much more about how I was you. I knew about how bad my finances were, and I knew that my hours of hell that I went through with night after night. And then something else quick. Well, I don't know 
Jesus, uh, if they could have, told me how, but uh, they tell me I had to, you know. And they uh, also tell me uh, how that I could, which I guess I knew probably was right. But uh, it was so tough that way, I just couldn't make it. I just had to be doggone much better than I was, and I just knew I couldn't be that good. And, uh, of course, I was pretty much like the woman that the uh, minister was trying to get to join the church. And finally she said, well, minister, she said, I'll join. But she said, you'll have to bear with me. You'll have to be easy. She said, I'm going to have a tough time. She said, you know, it seems strange, but she said, it seems like everything I like to do is either illegal, immoral, or fattening. She said, <laughs> she said it's just going to be tough. <laughs> So I guess I knew that was the answer, but uh, I didn't know how to get it. That way, I, I didn't know how I could make it. I've done a lot of praying about it, but as soon as I stopped praying about it, so the idea come up about cigarettes and the penny any poster, and gone to fix the show, and my church frowns on all those, and they wouldn't even permit me to smoke if I was up there in the basement tonight. I couldn't smoke there. I can get up and go out like we always do when we have a social. We get up and go outside now. Try to go and smoke. Well, I don't know whether <laughs> any more hard smoke down there in the basement would be outside there, just outside the door or not. I don't know. But all those things that bob up there, and I said, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't. I, I just can't. I just can't. I know I won't be able to be that good. I've done a lot of praying about and all those little things that come up. And I said, yeah, yeah, Lord, I'll, I'll do that for sure. I'll, I'll do everything. But I'm a liar and I know it. Finally, I said, well, there's no use me lying to the Lord and praying for help. And you know you're lying and she's not ready to do that thing. Things that happened to the top of my mind that helped me. The next thing she said to me, she said, you're going to quit. And I think, well, where in the devil did you ever get any assurance like that? You must have hit a couple of daggone good salesmen. <laughs> it makes you think, because she said something, man. And it makes you think that I'm going to quit. I haven't heard you say that for a long, long time. She just didn't say anything about it. And she didn't hear me say I was going to quit. I always, always say, I'll, I'll have to cut this out. I'll, I'll have to cut this. I'll have to cut this out, you know. I guess I knew I couldn't quit, so I didn't want to go back on the word, and I'd just go around to help her and maybe help myself too, saying that I'll have to cut it out. I'll have to cut it out. No, one that I could. I remember way back in 1960, I don't know what year it was, because it was uh, my junior year in the university, and of course a certain boy was room with me at that time, and I had been terrible. I was terrible on the night before, and still was that morning, but sick. And I was sitting on the bed, and I was a-heaving and a-dagging and a-heaving and going off. And this little mountaineer, he was worse drunk than I was. He looked over at me and said, why don't you quit? I don't know what he did. All he used to be here was the way that was sound even funny. And I looked at him as funny as sick as I was, and I said, quit. Well, yeah, he said, see, there's no trouble. I said, thousand times. Said you're going to I said you're going to quit. Well, now that helped. Yeah, that influence that she had there, uh, I, I, I couldn't, I didn't have that influence. But the fact that she still could believe in me and believe in this program, or I believe that she had found something whereby I could quit, well, was a help. And she told me there were a couple of uh, drunks, she said, like you are. I said, man, brother, too, said. 
the desert drop. And uh, there I'm clear. And uh, therefore we can't, maybe she didn't say it that way, but that's what came to my mind. Well, now that's that. All these other people have been coming around here. They come around here to help us all we can to me. They're all right, but they help me. And, uh, but there's nothing wrong with them, but now here's a couple of four weeks centers that come to talk to me. Well, now that, that helped my education quite a little bit. They admitted that they were just, had the same licking as I had. Well, then, you people sort of look down on me. Why don't you use your willpower? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I've used my welfare, well, and you have too. Because when you get sober, you have a hell of a fight for all that stuff. And if I had sense enough, I would have bought that first drink, uh, and easier than I could have thought it out there after I'd been drinking for a week or two, but finally I had to quit and get done and fight it out. Now, now that, that, that's when you really got a real tough fight to put out. Now, you might be sure I've never gone through that. Just now, it's a bear suit chasing and hold and fighting that out to get sober, get back in, now that's just job. I used to tell them all the time, I said, you know, it's always was kind of fun to get drunk, but it's hell to get sober. That's what I started to tell when I started out to get sober. That was what, when my trouble started. And, um, but these uh, fellows, well, they had the same weakness as I had. Therefore, I wasn't going to, uh, uh, hurt myself too much with my lessons. I'm not trying to put them down on my level. And uh, so, uh, then there was one other thing. She said, you're going to quit, that helps. A lot. And I didn't forget it. And I thank you for the confidence, putting all mine without saying something. Because I didn't have much confidence. But she had all night talked about the TV show and all that stuff. You know, I had with my doctor, I had a regular doctor. that has been helping me for two or three years. And he was a nice, nice fellow, and he was a minister too. And my wife and I talked to him about taking cures. And he said, 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 through this pain so he can get sober enough to get back and try to stay sober a few days. But it doesn't really work and it won't be long. Uh, he'll be calling me again. I know it because I've had him before, but uh, I was pretty soon telling him to hell with him. I don't want to be fooled with him. And he didn't me, but he's a good friend of mine. Like my wife and his wife. Maybe it's more for her, for her than it is for me. And uh, so I think, well, and I said, my wife, next question, I said, well, why are they going to charge me? And I never forgot that answer. She said, you know, that's the strange thing about it. She said, I said, we've both been church members for a long time now. I'm not knocking the church. No, I'm not. I'm not doing that. But we had been, and had been constantly going, oh, well, I didn't go too regular because I get drunk too often. But uh, I, when I was sober enough, I went pretty drunk sometimes to church. But uh, so I said, uh, "What are you going to charge me?" She said, "You know, that's the strange thing about it." She said, "Not only they, she said, not only whether they're going, you know, they weren't going to charge anything, but they said you couldn't pay them a cent 
เสียแล้วเมื่อนี้เราน่าสงสัยสุดยอดตัวที่จริงมันจะเอาไปซะนะบัดนี้น้องเซนเฮดานาลามาโกฟิสต์ยูอันเฮเลยยูวันเฮฮานาโกเซลก็ถ้าคุณไม่ได้รับไปแล้วคุณจะได้รับคุณจะได้เสียคุณจะได้เสียคุณจะได้เสียคุณจะได้เสียคุณจะได้เสียคุณจะได้เสียคุณจะได้เสียคุณจะได้เสียคุณจะได้เสียคุณจะได้เสียคุณจะได้เสียคุณจะได้เสียคุณจะได้เสียคุณจะได้เสียคุณจะได้ The thing that that was one of the main things that helped me to believe that these boys had something. Those two boys I'd never seen in a hotel out with four weeks in it, just like I was, and they were willing to come over there and take their time and talk to me to show me a program whereby I could stay sober, and not only would they not charge me anything, but I couldn't pay them if I wanted to. And that was really the first thing that interested me in AA, and I told my wife to come over. And they came over, and I said, "Give me this token a long time ago." You see, there wasn't any book, then there wasn't any twelve steps, there wasn't any this other nice good literature we have, some good and some not so good, and that we have around. And we didn't have any of those things. And just those two fellows there that said they wanted to get sober, and they thought they'd hit on a program, and whereby they could stay sober, and the part of that program was That they had to bring it up to me, and I sort of forgot that last thing because they they, they told me that was part of the program that they had to bring the thing to me. And here was the program. That ain't no twelve steps. No, I the twelve steps are all right. They're fine. And uh, but I learned it the other way. They told me that I had to really want to quit. Uh, they said if you want to quit, well that's your problem. Just go ahead and get drunk. That's all right. We not the chicken liquor. Uh, we want to stay sober, and to stay sober, we got we have a program, and to stay sober, we think you have to take that program to somebody else. Now, if you want to go out and get drunk and get sick and die down in this hospital like this, well, all right, we'll just right on out. We won't argue with you. That's your free will. Well, I'm sure that's all right. That's pretty obvious about this thing. All these other folks want to plead with me now. They said, if you want to get drunk, okay, get drunk. But they said we 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 want to quit, and we'd like to see you quit. But we leave it to you. You want to quit? And uh, then they asked me, they said, "Do you think you can quit by yourself?" Well, that's pretty hard to answer. I'd always been pretty self-sufficient. Well, that's only one thing. This is our life. And I had told a lot of fellows. I saw my cousin dying before he was 27 years old from that hurt. I used to run with. I held him in bed night after night with DT. That's the only thing he died. But I was smart. I wasn't going to let you do that. And he told me, he said, "Well, I, I don't want to get drunk like that." But he said, "I can't help it." Well, I was story like preacher. I thought, "Well, you, you can get drunk." I told him, "I said, you're drinking too much too often." A lot of men. He said. All these years about why you get the alcoholics, and I said I don't know. After hearing all those stories, I finally come to the conclusion. I mean, the reason I became an alcoholic was that I drank too much whiskey too often over too long a period. I think that's what happened. <laughs> if I could avoid just one of those, maybe I wouldn't have become an alcoholic. And I thought I was going to avoid them, but I, 
kept on until I was bad as soon as he was. And, um, but I kept on, in fact, all fellows, I said, now I want to start doing it like that, fellow, I'm going to quit. Well, when I got on, I didn't know how to say it, and I said, well, that's pretty tough, but I, I do know when it starts doing it like this, fellow, then I know I'm going to do something about it. Now, right on, clear down the bottom, I just kept along the sandwich. Years and years, I'm not standing back worse, why, Lord, to so I would go down to the box. And as far as this was concerned, I hadn't been down in the jungle, because I'd had a little money left me, and I'd had some a few minutes before I got to bed, and so all I had run out, and I kept seeing in the bank, I was pretty slick at that. And uh, so I would have run me out longer, I would have been down there before. So they told me I had to have an orange jar. And we used to quit. Well, I don't guess I wanted to quit. But oh my goodness, I'd have had nothing. Good time of getting drunk. There wasn't anything in that anymore. I sure was. I certainly, if I didn't want to quit drinking, I wanted to get, quit getting drunk and getting taken over to the hospital and tied down and put in jail and things like that. I didn't like that. And so they asked me then the next question whether they, I thought I could quit by myself. And that was pretty hard to answer. I, I had a problem that I couldn't handle, a little silly thing like that, anyhow. Oh, Jesus, I've done that. I was going to do it all my life. They said, no, you can have it by yourself, all right, and we'll go around, we'll go about the same time. And uh, said, we want to quit. And to do that, we've got to take this problem to somebody that wants to quit and knows that he can quit. And we're just wasting time. If you don't want to quit, or wasting time if you don't think, if you think you can quit by yourself, that's fine. Just go ahead and quit. And they let me there stay these things over, and then they asked me another question. They said, do you believe in a higher power? I said, yes, I'm believing God, not believing the Bible. I know how I've lost my faith. I know that's the answer, but how in the hell am I going to get it? Because I just can't be that good. I, I just can't. I, I said, I do these little things. What am I going to do about that? Well, they gave me some very good sense, though. They said, well, now, let's, don't you think that this great problem is causing you more trouble than anything else now? And don't you think that you're going to have about all that you can do to get rid of this great problem? Don't you think it's going to use about all your time now getting rid of this? Well, I said, I wouldn't be surprised. I certainly haven't been doing very good at it. Well, they said, now, let's concentrate on the drink, and we'll forget the cigarettes and the thing in the culture. And you have a little thing like that for a while. You concentrate on this thing. And you work on that. And then after we get sort of straightened out on that, then you start thinking about some other things. And uh, if uh, you still think you're going to get rid of that, well, then you start working on those. And I said, that's pretty good thing. Pretty good thing. So I said, I, I believe in the Bible. believe in God. I know that's the answer I, that I, but I haven't been able to get. And the next question they asked me was, would I be willing in the presence of somebody else? We sort of flipped that. We don't use that exactly that way anymore. But they said, would you be willing in the presence of somebody else to go to this higher power, which to me was God, and admit that you have a problem that you can't handle and that you want help? And they left me there staying on. I had to want to quit. I had to realize that I couldn't do it by myself. I had to believe in some higher power that could help me. And I had to be willing to humble myself enough to go to that higher power and admit that I was, uh, had a problem that I couldn't handle and ask for help. 
And I stay there on that old hospital bed, got no wind in July, and I put up a fight. I thought about all the things that I was going to have to give up if I made this surrender. Boy, oh, the old road looked pretty dim, dark. I say, that straight and high road sure looked really nice. No, I ain't never going to have no more fun. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm telling you the truth. I said, this ain't going to be no fun this lifestyle. Oh, I know now. Man, the devil, he was fooling me, you know. He had them things. He knew what was holding me back. He was using them things, you know. And I was still pretty worldly. I love worldly things yet. So I went over all those things that they said to me, and I went over back over my life, things that I'd thrown away, material things, and other things that I'd thrown away. The material things didn't worry me too much, although I certainly didn't have any of them left. And the opportunities that I had didn't worry me too much. But I then began to think about the humiliation and sorrow and things that I had caused to mother my refined people. My mother and my wife, the boy was getting old enough to know. And uh, I just went back over what kind of a deal I'd been. And I can tell you the thing didn't look very nice. It certainly didn't. I've had an awful lot of people that have been awful nice to me. My dad and mother came to school and paid money. Uh, they didn't have to afford out something to do it. But uh, I remember, I knew that I was drunk back in 1917. My dad got killed in that year, and I was over in school, and I was drunk, and they called on the telephone over there. I was pretty drunk, but I was hanging with somebody good in those days. They brought him over there to Lexington and died. Where to take him home? I had to take my bottles home with me. But I didn't get to be no drunk. I was drunk in Westfield. And uh, then I, with my senior year in the university, and now it's the first time I started to run. I wasn't that far away, but I made that mistake. And I'll go back to the university and finish my summer time. I'm thinking that if I got away from school and stayed down on the farm, because she was coming around at home, I, I had to stay pretty. I didn't get drunk some, but I had to be pretty careful about Dad because. He told me out and I wouldn't get no more money down to school and I knew it. So when I got drunk around home on the farm, I had to be very careful about it. And uh, so uh, I stayed around there. Then Mom said, well, all right, she'd rather go back to school. So I took bags in the and I stayed around there. Love in April, I part of April, and one day I'm talking to her in the room. And uh, I wanted to drink, and I had my pocket. So I just kept in the other room, of course, I always had that thing, and I closed the door right in the thing. Pulled my bottle out, started taking the drink, you know. Well, she just opened the door and looked in. She stood there and looked at me, and then come up crying. She said, Are you a drunkard? I said, Yes, I guess I am. She said, Well, I believe you as bad as her, and we already knew you wasn't going to live until the doctor told me. She said, I believe you as bad as you as well. I said, All right, Mom. She said, What are we going to do about it? I said, I don't know. What's the that I don't either? She said, your dad and I think you over school right now for four years. All you learned to do was to be a drunkard. I said, I guess that's right. I said, I'll go down and join the army. She just told me. Well, I won't bring that story. That was a long time ago. Mom, we had 13 years after I got sober. And I was awful glad. But I went back over and I'm going to make it. I should have quit already. I went back over all those things that I treated those people, and I said, boy, you sure have been a heathen. 
We don't have very much left now. Rest time better start trying to do something about and make up for some of those things that you've done towards people. So I said, well, Lord, I've had enough of this. I don't want to get drunk anymore. I've had enough. According to what the doctor said and according to what I say, I don't have blame anymore. Days around here, I'm pretty well wrecked from every standpoint in the world. I'm wrecked. I don't have very much left to turn over to you, but whatever I, what I have left, I'm going to turn it over to you now. I'm not going to be the captain of the boat long because, boy, I've been running this boat now for a long time. And I sure have made a wreck out of it. From now on, I'm going to try to find out these say and instructions from you. I'm not going to just, when I do even pray, tell you what all the things that I want. You know, there's another thing in our office, but some awful lot of these prayers are almost sacrilegious to be here. For now, sometimes they'll tell the Lord what he ought to do, what they think the Lord he ought to be down in the They'll just try it over and over again, tell the Lord what he ought to do all the time. He knows what to do. I'd like to spend a little more time asking the Lord that we might be worthy that we get some of these things that we're asking for. Like the woman told the little boy, he sat down and said he's fine. He said, Mother, how'd you like that? Well, she said that was pretty good, but she said, why don't you spend a little less time telling the Lord what to do and a little, just a force for duty, and he'll let him tell you what to do. So I said, now, instead of uh, going ahead and running this thing, telling you to come on, help me put this over and this over, I'm going to try to find out what you want me to do. I'm going to try to do it. I'm going to try to find out what your will is for me, and I'll do the best that I can to carry it out. I know I'm human, and I won't be able to do it all the time, but I'll keep on trying. If I fall down, I'll go back, ask you again, because I don't want to think anymore. I've had all this I want. I've just had all I want, and I want to quit. I've had enough. And uh, I'm going to rely probably upon you. When that old talks about drink starts coming on, I ain't going to say I ain't got argument. Every time I started thinking about a drink when I was trying to stay dry and argument, I said, I And I could get more excuses somewhere other than why I should. Anyhow, you know, we're carrying on the other part of that argument about I should was sure a winner. Because he nearly always let me. I said, Lord, when that argument comes up from now on, I'm going to turn that argument over to you, because that's one argument I always love. And I'm going to let you handle that job, and uh, I ain't going to even start any argument about it. I just said, well, now, here, you take this problem over. And uh, I've had enough. I don't want to do this anymore. Anything that I have to give up or anything I have to do, I'm willing to do when I'm in it. I've said that before, but I didn't mean it. Not that long. So when these folks come back, I said, well, I've had enough. I don't get drunk to sit now. And there's that he's do it. I'll have to admit that I, I can't do anything about it because I know I couldn't rather than going through this. I do believe in that higher power, and I already have gone to that higher power. And I ask for help, and I'm willing to do it again here or any place in the world. It doesn't make any difference. I'll never be ashamed to admit that I have to go and ask for that help any place where it might be. I've done that, and I'll do it again. I don't know whether I did, whether I did it or not, but I told them I was willing to. They said, that's fine. Now, there's one other thing you got to do. you got to go out and take that same program to somebody else. And that's what I'm doing here tonight. I could have made a lot shorter and quit. Not yet, you folks. And uh, 
But you know, these days get hard to talk, and I went over to Abraham Nishman not so long ago, and as I went along, they told me this story, and it sort of did click, but I forget that once in a while, and said there was one of these fellows up talked on and on, you know. The crowd got restless in the chain, and he pounded on the desk. There was a hammer, and uh, they finally climbed him down, and got restless again, and so went on and on, and he pounded again, and that climbed him down. They got restless again, and he got and sort of angry, and he just got real hard, walked over here, and he hit this fellow sitting here in the front and started hitting and knocked him out and shined. The fellow sitting there buying meat down like quick and grabbed him and picked him up. He said, are you hurting young conscious? He said, no, I'm still doing it. He said, hit me again. <laughs> now that was the eight years I got it. And that's the way I started going out and telling it. I haven't added much to it because I'm sort of afraid to. It's been worth too much to me. It's meant those Eight or ten years of my life, I, I know these last eight or ten years, and they've been in good health and so on. And, and so I certainly think an awful lot of it because I've heard an awful lot of people say that they were sober as a result of following that program of the 12 steps. They were added in as we went along and already learned. You can take those five that I gave you and pretty much spread them out and make 12 out of them. And that was what was done. I've heard so many people say that they were happy and the reason of following that program, and I know that there's a lot of people out that are happy and in homes and happy homes that otherwise would have been dead or just in the asylum or just been in jail tonight, and the program means a lot to me, and I certainly hope we keep it simple along that line, and if you read this, uh, uh, this last, uh, uh, grapevine, you will see the first article in there by Paul DeGreef or whatever his name is. He says he was an atheist, he wasn't a drunkard, but he learned. He said he was an absolute atheist. But he said by his association with AA, he has become to believe in God and Christ. Well, that's worth an awful lot to that man. That's worth an awful lot to And he said this is simplicity in the way that we went after that brought him from complete atheism back to a place where he could pray to God. And I've heard so many people, so many places all around over the country, say this, I came into AA solely for the purpose of sobriety, but it's been through AA that I have found God. And I know, and most of you know, how well worthwhile that is. That's the reason I hope we keep our AA program. I don't get angry because I, particularly I, because I don't feel too much responsibility myself. The only thing in this program that I have that's worthwhile that I can take the program on that somebody gave to me and whereby I have had the benefits of that, I can take it on to them and give it to them. But from now on, it's between them and that higher power whether they make it or not. There's no question about that. Between them and their higher power, was they able to make it or not? And so I, for that reason, I don't get too much disturbed when I see these things breaking around because I'm very proud that the foundation is uh, the program is on a good, firm foundation and doing an awful good for it to disintegrate and go along. And thank you folks for being patient and listening to me uh, for as long as you do. And uh, thank you for inviting me down here and congratulate you on the number you have here in this, uh, uh, your first anniversary, and I wish you a lot more good anniversaries and thanks. <laughs>
endure listening to you and telling about those early days. I couldn't help but think how fortunate we are that it came in so much later and when we had so much more help. You only had two to help you. And you certainly don't have the only job. I thank you very much for this. Now, how do you want to be from here on? You have a comment, do you? Well, I usually work a kick on it now. I always talk to you. Well, I was hoping for comments. Well, I'm always being done to you. I've heard you a good night times, and every time I hear you, you get those cobwebs away out of my head. I think you kind of confuse me about the programming of... I feel sometimes it seems confused, if you get what I mean. That's right. You bring out <laughs> primarily the first thing come first in this program. Another thing you bring out is the words that Dr. Smith said many times in my presence and all of us. Don't mouth up the program. Keep it simple. The skills we put on the program, uh, if they're good, they'll stay in. If they are not good, they will disappear. Not to get too self-important in this program that we think we can dictate things that we all agree with ourselves have already laid down the rules and regulations. Every time I hear you, I go back to my time in St. Thomas when Sid Russell came to see me and, and uh, Bill Palmer and some of those fellows some of the first fellows, all families, and they told me the same thing that you're telling now. I think if you continue, Bill, and I know you will, going around carrying this message to we younger members in our state, that this program will continue to grow and grow and solve its ground. Thanks very much. Well, you know, uh, the program has meant so much to me that I, I'm, I'm, the uh, Lord's been mighty good to me, and I, I don't want him much to sing up, because uh, I probably have had all the, uh, things really that I'm entitled to, from the things I've done, and I certainly don't want him much to sing up. Bill, I'm sure glad I agree tonight. Uh, I'm sure this is the end of this recording. Thank you.